Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. The Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today, available for iOS and Android users in your app store. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me. We have another outstanding show for you. I'll talk with the voice of the New York Jets, Bob Wischusen, about his hectic schedule with the Jets and his college football duties with ESPN. Albany Empire wide receiver Malachi Jones joins the show to talk about getting selected in Tuesday's XFL draft. Wayne Brady, the host of Let's Make a Deal and star of Whose Line Is It Anyway?, will be on to talk about his appearance in Schenectady on Saturday. And Daily Gazette sports editor Mike Kelly stops by for his weekly spot on high school football. My first guest is very familiar to Capital Region sports fans. He was a sports reporter and weekend sports anchor at News Channel 13. He is currently making a name for himself at CBS Sports, calling NFL and college basketball games. On Sunday, you will hear him on the call of the Miami Dolphins-Buffalo Bills game on CBS 6. Please welcome Andrew Catalan to the podcast. Andrew, thanks for coming on the Party Shots podcast. It's been a while since we chatted. How are you doing? Hey, Ken. So great hearing from you, and uh, nice to keep that connection alive in the Capital Region. I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well, too. I am. Thank you very much for asking. So, uh, well, the Bills are coming off their bye week, Andrew. They're 4-1, and they look like they could challenge the New England Patriots uh, in the, NS, uh, the AFC East. It's not a bad way for them to start the season. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, I've been really impressed so far. And it goes back to the summer because I'm fortunate enough to call their preseason games. So I was around the team for a good portion of August. And, you know, I've been with them now five, uh, the last five preseasons. So I've gotten to know the general manager, Brandon Bean, the head coach, Sean McDermott. And, you know, I can just tell right away that the culture is ripe for victory there. Those two, the GM and the coach, have done such a great job of putting together that roster, not only with talent, and depth, but also just the way that they have the right guys in the locker room. It's a, it's a tremendous mix. So, you know, I'm not surprised I got out to a fast start. I've been, I've been impressed, but I'm not surprised. And I, I definitely think this is a team that, that can compete and will compete for a playoff spot. And as you mentioned, you call their preseason games, but did you think, you know, they'd be 4-1 and one heading into uh, Week 7? You know, I looked at their schedule, and I thought they had some good opportunities early on, and they've taken advantage of that, and so that was one. And number two, the defense, you know, outside of Kyle Williams, they brought everybody back. Um, and, and the guy that, that got to take Kyle Williams' spot was their number one pick in Ed Oliver. So, you know, I thought the defense was, was really going to play well, and I, and I think what solidified them offensively is the offensive line. It's a lot better than it was last year. And, you know, I think that offense will continue to grow with Josh Allen. I don't think they have it where they want it yet, but it's good enough to have won four games so far, and, and I think they're going to win double-digit games this year. We'll get into their schedule in just a moment, but you know, they made the playoffs in 2017. That ended a long drought, but the Bills took a step backwards last year. Uh, is that fueling their start this year? It could be. I don't think if, you know, it was completely unexpected that last year was a step back from the playoffs. I mean, they got off such, such a great start in Sean McDermott's first year, ending that long playoff drought. And then have Josh Allen come in, and, you know, you're going to take some lumps when you have a rookie quarterback. And 
I think it was great that he played so much. It was a, a tremendous developmental year for Allen. Yes, they didn't go back to the playoffs, and then I'm sure it made them hungrier to get back this year. Uh, but I don't think that last year was as unexpected as, um, as, it, as it may look because of the records. I think that with that rookie QB, you're, you're going to take a couple bumps along the way, but it's serving them very well this year so far. Yeah, how important is it on Sunday for the Bills not to take the winless Dolphins lightly? I mean, the Dolphins look like a train wreck right now. Yeah, I think when you have these divisional games, Ken, you know, it kind of just ratchets it up a little bit. And even though Miami is 0-5 and you look at the numbers on paper and it's not pretty, um, it's still still a rivalry game. And, you know, I don't think the Bills are built to take anyone lightly. It just starts at the top with their leadership, whether it's the GM or the coach, and then also the players. They have some great leaders in that locker room that I mentioned before. Lorenzo Alexander defensively is one. Frank Gore, another on offense. I mean, those types of guys are not going to let Buffalo take Miami lightly. Yeah, looking at the Bills' upcoming schedule, which you mentioned a little bit about the possible winning uh, 10 games or so, uh, they had three straight games at home. You know, two of the games are against subpar teams. We mentioned the Dolphins, uh, the game on Sunday. They got the Washington Redskins coming in November 3rd, and the game in between that with my Philadelphia Eagles, who knows what kind of team they're going to be uh, when they, after they play Dallas on Sunday. Who knows what kind of team they're frustrating me at this point. But uh, I mean, after that, they have road games against an inconsistent Cleveland Browns team and, they, and the Dolphins before they host the Denver Broncos on November 24th. Can the Bills be 10-1 or 9-2 heading into a Thanksgiving Day matchup at the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, before the season, I, I had them for nine games, uh, but I definitely, nine wins, rather. I definitely bumped that up. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, New England won. You can make a case that Buffalo is the second-best team in the AFC. I know Kansas City Chiefs fans might have a problem with that, but no, they're that good. I really believe that. They have an, a tremendous home field advantage. I think they're going to be so fired up uh, after the bye week coming out of the locker room against Miami this Sunday. And you mentioned the schedule. I mean, again, no one can overlook a certain team, but the schedule sets up in their favor. There's no, there's no hiding from that. So, absolutely, I think this is a team that is going to make a lot of noise uh, going into the playoffs. You're paired with uh, Hall of Fame wide receiver James Lofton in the uh, booth. He'll be working with the game with on Sunday. What's it like working with him, a Hall of Famer? He also yeah, was a, a receivers coach. I mean, what, I listened to him when he was doing the games on Westwood Run uh, Radio on Sunday nights. Uh, he just seems to bring a wealth of knowledge that, uh, to the game and really that, that some, maybe some others don't. Yeah, it's our third year together, Ken, and it's just been awesome working with James. I mean, I think that you know, that first year in the booth, um, it takes a while to find that chemistry and, and to figure out what he likes, what he doesn't like, and vice versa. And, and I think now in our third season, we just have such a good idea of, of how we like it in the booth and, and how we can play off each other. And we're having a lot more fun, too, and I think that's just because of our friendship has grown so much over the last three years. And, and I agree with you. He, he really sees the game differently than most analysts. Um, he brings a unique perspective, and it's refreshing. It's uh, it's something different. It's unique, and, and I think if you really listen to what he's saying, he, he's trying to explain why things are happening, and that's really what we need, right? You want an analyst to tell you why something's happening. So it's, it's a lot of fun with James. Obviously, this weekend, going back to Buffalo, where he played for a number of years, so I'm sure it'll be special for him as well. Well, back in the summer, uh, you had a chance to anchor CBS's coverage of uh, uh, the golf. Was it, was it the John Deere Classic? 
I did, yeah. I hosted the, actually the 3M Open for, uh, for CBS in Minnesota. How much fun was that uh, filling in Jim, for Jim Nance and sitting in his chair? Yeah, it was awesome, Ken. I mean, you know, I, as you know, I've been involved on the digital coverage of the Masters and the PGA Championship for the last nine, ten years. Uh, but that was my first time on the main CBS broadcast, sitting next to Nick Faldo, working with that incredible golf team. And um, it was a dream come true. It's something I've always wanted to do. I really love calling golf and, and playing golf, for that matter. But uh, but it's uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a great tournament. It was won by a young 20-year-old Matthew Wolf with an eagle on the 72nd hole, so could not have scripted any better drama for a 4th of July weekend there in Minnesota, and uh, I certainly hope I get more opportunities to do in the future. Well, it was great to catch up with you, Andrew, and uh, have fun Sunday, and we'll be watching uh, watching the game and uh, listening to your call. Thanks for having me, Ken. Great chatting with you. All right, that's Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports. Coming up, we're staying in the AFC East as we talk to New York Jets play-by-play man Bob Wischusen. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hi, this is Hunter Moffat, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletes. Notable Trophy Case team members include Ron Jaworski, former NFL quarterback and founder of Jaws Youth Playbook, who says, Throughout my success in the sports world, I believe Trophy Case can bring value to many different levels of athletes and unrepresented sports. This platform will level the playing field for athletes at the beginning of their career with technology for generations to come. You can download the Trophy Case app and the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Get it today. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports editor Michael Kelly. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the Parting Shots podcast. My next guest is a very busy man. On Saturdays, he calls college football games for the family of ESPN Networks. And on Sundays, he's the radio play-by-play voice of the New York Jets. Please welcome to the program, Bob Wischusen. Bob, hello and thanks for coming on for a few minutes. Well, no problem, Ken. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. glad we can catch up here. Uh, before we talk about the Jets, one thing I'm amazed with you, Bob, is uh, your schedule during the uh, football season. You know, you're preparing for one football game. It's, it's busy enough, but you're getting ready for two games, a college game and a pro game. Take us through what it's like for you uh, uh, during the week as you, get, as you get ready to call a college game and the Jets. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, the Jets, thankfully for me, is a pretty easy prep job just because I know them so well. And, you know, the NFL, everybody kind of knows the NFL well enough that, you know, I mean, you're going to not really be surprised by the personnel you see in an NFL game. Everybody is pretty familiar with the stars and everything. College football prep is a, uh, it's a totally different animal. You know, college football prep, there's a lot more research, a lot more players, you know, more bios, more articles, more, you know, more questions to ask because the rosters change over year to year as well. So, 
you know, college football is by far, the, I think, the thing that requires the most work uh, of anything that I do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just uh, the information starts rolling in on Monday and you're reading articles and highlighting and whittling down the information and getting your charts ready all the way up until you do the game on Saturday. The one thing I've always noticed, and maybe people, uh, the public doesn't realize this, uh, you know, when ESPN makes sure to assign you to a college game so you don't have to have a travel burden, to get to the Jets game on a Sunday. Uh, for example, you recently did a game at Penn State uh, and then headed down to Philadelphia to do the Eagles-Jets game. I mean, how important is that for you to make sure you're, you're close by and not have any travel issues? Well, um, I would love to tell you that every weekend is as easy as the weekend where I did Penn State and did the Eagles. Um, a few years ago, I did a game in Syracuse and the Jets played the next day in Seattle. Oh, jeez. So, you know, they like they you know, they definitely keep the Jets in mind. They definitely take a look, thankfully for me, at what the flight options are. But really, the only thing I ever tell them is just make sure there's a flight. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would hate the idea that our football crew on ESPN would be penalized and might not get the best game that we're all capable of getting because of my Jets travel. So I tell them all the time, I'll do whatever crazy, stupid scenario you want me to do if it means getting a better college game, um, just as long as there's a scenario that gets me there. And, you know, even if it means a red eye, even if it means, you know, some kind of crazy connection, you know, we've, we've jumped through some hoops over the years to make sure that, you know, hopefully our college crew gets the best game that we can get. Has there ever been a close call for you uh, getting to a Jets game after a college game? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there have been a couple times where, you know, whatever flight I was supposed to take on a Saturday night has either been delayed or canceled or weather or something, and I've had to kind of zoom in on a Sunday morning for a 1 o'clock Jets game. That's rare. But, I mean, you know, I've traveled for 15, 16, 17 years, however long I've been doing both of these jobs, and I mean, it's inevitable that that's going to happen. So I've yet to miss a Jets game, thankfully. I've never gotten to the point where I haven't gotten there. But there have definitely been a few, you know, runs into the stadium an hour and a half before kind of last-minute arrivals that uh, that have happened. Well, let's talk about the Jets. The the fans seem to be on edge after their 0-4 start on the new coach, Adam Gase. The offense wasn't doing much, but, of course, starting quarterback Sam Darnold was out for three games because of Mono. He returned this past Sunday and helped lead the Jets to an upset of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, how important was that victory for the Jets? Uh, monumentally important. Um, I mean, they needed that in the absolute worst possible way. Um, just to feel like all the work they've been putting in has been worth it. Uh, you know, so, yeah, that's it was, it was kind of a, a season saver to a certain extent. And they'll play the Patriots on Monday, and then the schedule gets, you know, markedly easier. But the last thing in the world that they were going to want to have happen was get to the easy part of the schedule, but get there without a win. And get there feeling like, you know, they are, you know, doing something that nobody's probably ever done in NFL history, and that is trying to make a playoff push at 0-6. So, yeah, it's amazing how life in the NFL changes when you just win a game and finding a way just to win one game 
monumentally changes life for the Jets. Well, someone who grew up in Philadelphia and a big Eagles fan, I was very happy for the Jets winning against Dallas on Sunday. So I appreciated that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I follow you on the uh, Twitter at ESPN Bob, and it seemed like Jets fans were not giving uh, Gase the benefit of the doubt with Darnold out. I mean, the Jets lost backup quarterback Trevor Simeon week two against Cleveland. Third-string quarterback Luke Falk struggled. But this can't be all on Gase or the backup quarterbacks. What are your thoughts? I mean, just – it just seemed like I mean, the Jets fans were just just a little too overzealous. It's definitely not all on Adam Gates. I mean, look how they played once they got the quarterback back. And you know, once once you get an actual NFL quarterback back, and you know you're you're actually dealing with a competent player at the most important position on the field, it changes everything. Um, Luke Falk, before he was asked to play for the Jets on Monday Night Football. Um, Luke Falk was, you know, had never been active for an NFL game before. So, you know, I mean, he was, I mean, he had never once in his life ever had a helmet on, on an NFL sideline as an active player before. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they, they were asking a, a third string, you know, practice squad quarterback to start at New England and to start at. In um in, in Philadelphia, that that's the winners of four of the last five Super Bowls. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, thinking that they were going to be able to, you know, win games with Luke Falk and somehow blame that on Adam Gates and you know the the you know the fact that you know I mean it's it's impossible to think that Adam Gates could be responsible for turning Luke Falk with you know kind of quote unquote creative play calling into a, you know, a competent NFL quarterback overnight. That's not fair. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, the uh, Patriots come to MetLife Stadium for Monday night, uh, and the Jets lost to them, as you mentioned uh, earlier in the season, week three, a 30-14 decision. With Darnold back, do you think uh, the Jets could pull off another upset? Um, I mean, asking them to beat the Patriots is, is pretty tough. Uh, they're 10-point underdogs for a reason. The Patriots have – Bludgeons most of the teams that they've played. But I would say that Sam Darnold makes enough of a difference for them that they should go from a team that was totally non-competitive in New England to being a team that I think has a right to think that when they get to the fourth quarter, they'll still be in the game at all. And I do think he makes that much of a difference. So the Patriots aren't going to go undefeated. I believe that. I think at some point they're going to lose a game. And I think at some point they'll lose a game on the road. Which means that, you know, someone that you're not expecting to beat them at some point is going to beat them. And at some point they're going to have one of those games over the course of 16 games where you turn it over a couple of times, a few breaks don't go their way, and a team that, it, you know, unexpectedly rises up and, and wins a game against them. So could the Jets be that team? Yeah, they definitely could. Um, the Jet defense has played better this season as well um, than, than they've been given credit for because they've had to cover up for a completely ineffective offense at times, too. So, um, you know, I, I would settle for going to the fourth quarter, being in the game with a puncher's chance to win it. And I think that they can be within seven to ten points going to the fourth quarter. Well, Bob, on Saturday you're calling the Clemson-Louisville game on ABC. Clemson number three in the country in the polls and probably still angry about getting knocked out of the top spot in the AP poll a couple weeks ago. 
mean, how do you see this matchup with Louisville? weekend i appreciate you uh, fitting me into your schedule and i hope we can talk again soon no problem all right that's bob with shoes and up next i talk to albany empire wide receiver malachi jones who is heading to the xfl you're listening to the party shots podcast available on apple podcast and spotify hey pro football fans it's time again to match which with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Game, sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play, go to dailygazette.com football and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. Play the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Game, sponsored by River Sportsbook, at dailygazette.com slash football. Hi, this is Union College football coach Jeff Behrman. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast, I'm Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. On Tuesday, the XFL held its inaugural draft and Malachi Jones of the Arena Bowl 32 champion Albany Empire was picked in the 10th round by the Seattle Dragons. I spoke with Malachi on Tuesday, shortly after he had been drafted. Malachi, congratulations on uh, getting selected in the XFL draft by the Seattle Dragons. Uh, what are your thoughts right now? Uh, I'm on cloud nine, man. You know, it's a great feeling. You know, I'm very pleased that... Uh, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. <laughs> Coach Jim Zorn and his staff took a chance on me. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's a great feeling, man, just to, uh, just to hear your name called. You know, I didn't have my name called uh, in the NFL draft, so it's definitely a surreal feeling to hear my name called in the XFL draft. Uh, I mean, as, the, as the, the draft got later and later, were you getting a little concerned? I mean, to an extent. You know, my thing was, you know, I was, uh, whatever happened, happened, and I was going to adapt to the situation that I was put in. You know, obviously, you know, I wanted to be drafted today and early as possible. But like I said, it all played out. You know, like I said, Seattle uh, took a chance on me, and I'm extremely grateful for it. And, um, but yeah, man, like I said, I, I, I adapted to my situation. And, you know, I was ready for whatever outcome there was. Now, you've played, you played last year in the Alliance of American Football, and that, unfortunately, the league folded. 
Now the XFL is coming on board. They're going to try to do the same thing, play in the uh, right after the NFL season ends. What if you're looking back on the uh, your experience in the Alliance League? What went wrong, and what can the XFL do to make sure that doesn't happen to them? Uh, you know, from what I've heard, because uh, you know I didn't dive too much into it. You know, obviously there was there was a financial uh, aspect to to why things folded and and ended the way they did. So obviously, from a financial standpoint, um, you know the XFL can do better, and I've already heard that they're doing better. They they place the right people in place to make decisions and, and things of that nature. I think they also did a great job taking their time and marketing it and all that good stuff. And uh, you know, also helps to have a guy like Vincent, Vince McMahon backing the the league as well. So obviously, from a financial standpoint, I think the XFL is doing a good job of just making sure that everything's secure before starting. And then um, as far as product goes, I mean, you see some of the names that are in the draft. You see some of the coaches who are amongst the league and things like that. The people involved, like Oliver Luck and things like that, man. So I think from a personnel standpoint, from a player standpoint, uh, they've done a great job just, you know, accumulating talent and things like that. Things are going to draw well with crowds or draw well with um, the locations as far as where people are playing and uh, all that good stuff. So, yeah, man, I think uh, – like I said, as far as anything they can do better, I, I, I think they've learned from the, the mishaps of the AAF. And like I said, I think they've done a good job of taking their time and, and marketing it and things of that nature, man. So I think the XFL will be uh, just fine. Yeah, you mentioned Jim Zorn, a legendary quarterback when Seattle first uh, started playing in the NFL in the mid-1970s. Uh, have you had a chance to speak with him yet? And uh, what, what are, are, did he tell you what his plans are for you? No, I've not had a chance to, to speak with Coach yet at all. I'll, I'll be expecting his phone call uh, probably here soon within the next couple of hours. Just I know they got the draft going on right now, and, it, and it's pretty much an all-day deal for today and tomorrow. So, uh, you know, I do look forward to speaking to him though, whenever I get the opportunity to. I mean, have you have you been to Seattle? Obviously, they're, they're rabid with the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, are you hoping for at least half of that uh, uh, fan base, you know, coming out to the games? Yeah, absolutely. You know, last time I've been to Seattle once, and uh, I flew out there for a workout back in 16. And, uh, you know, the facilities were awesome. The stadium was awesome and things like that. And but obviously, you know, they, they called their – the Seahawks called their stadium the 12th man for a reason. You know, they, they have a huge a huge drawing, and, you know, their crowds are very uh, big with the Seattle. And they do a great job of just bringing the energy and things like that. So – uh, you know, I'm very confident that we'll get that same type of uh, love from the crowd. I think people enjoy seeing football year-round. And, you know, even from last year, I think everybody uh, was very receptive of the Alliance League. Just having football, like I said, year-round. You know, a lot of people are tuning in the games. People are showing up in the stands. So, like I said, to have football year-round is a good thing. You know, I think a lot of people are going to be extremely pleased to just continuously seeing football year-round. So, but, yeah, I have no doubt that, you know, the Seattle people will, will support us. Malachi, is your ultimate goal to get to the NFL? I mean, do you see this as a stepping stone to, you know, get some attention from uh, National Football League teams? Yeah, absolutely, man. I think everybody's goal at this point is just to get back into the NFL and, and things of that nature, man. You know, obviously that's the Premier League for, for football. Everybody knows it. no secret. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I do take great pride in where I am. I take great pride in where I play. You know, obviously, for whatever league I'm in, with whatever team I'm playing for at that moment, that's my NFL. 
and I treat it as such. So, you know, just as much as I want to get back into the NFL, I'm going to have the same work ethic and due diligence that I would with the Seattle, or with the, yeah, <laughs> with the Seattle Dragons. You know, and I'm going to come to work every day and be the best player I can be on and off the field for my teammates, my coaches, the fan base, man. And, you know, like I said, hopefully, uh, you know, opportunity with the NFL, you know, comes from it. But if not, hey, man, I'm just excited to just be playing football again. Have you come down uh, from the high of winning the uh, Arena Bowl 32? I know it's been two months, but it, uh, I mean, it's, it's still, it seems like a, a, a dream come true. Absolutely, man. You know, I still think uh, I've come down from it, man. Just, you know, I'm still up here in Albany and just literally going around town. You know, people are still talking about it. You know, people are still proud of it. And they can't wait the next season for the Empire and all that good stuff. I mean, I was at a hunting hayride and one of the props, People recognized me <laughs> as she was trying to scare everybody on the on the back of the hayride. So, you know, it, it, it was a uh, it's a great feeling, man. You know, I was very pleased to to uh, to have had the opportunity to come back and you know help bring championship back to Albany. Well, I think my clothes finally dried out from the champagne celebrations you guys had in the locker room that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, my, my shoes. I think my shoes just dried up like the other day as well. Well, Malachi, appreciate you coming on the Parting Shots podcast. Uh, congratulations again, and good luck in Seattle. And well, hopefully, uh, we'll big, uh, bigger and better things are on your way. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. My next guest is in his 11th season as host of the iconic game show, Let's Make a Deal. He's also one of the stars of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And on Saturday, he returns to the event center at Rivers Casino and Resort. Here's Wayne Brady. Wayne, uh, first of all, thank you for coming on the Parting Shots podcast. It's a thrill and honor to be able to talk to you. In the second straight week, I've talked to somebody from Whose Line Is It Anyway? I talked to Colin last week, and he said to say hello, Colin Mockery. Oh, thanks, man. Well, well, it's uh, nice to be to be here virtually talking to you. And thanks for for the hello from Colin. I got a chance to say hi to him a couple days ago online. Yeah, he's a, he's a good man. He's very talented, like you are. But let's let's talk about you here. You're coming back to Schenectady for the second straight year. And when I spoke with uh, Colin last week, it's asking about the Schenectady audiences, and he said that uh, they've had a good time and he enjoys coming here. Did you sense that when you were here last year? Yeah, I mean, the the rule of thumb is, like, you know, when someone says, hey, you're doing that show, do you like doing that, or do you like going back to that place? The, the, the rule of thumb is, I'm lucky enough that I'm not going to go back to some place unless I like the people and like the venue. So I, I really liked my show, show in, in Schenectady last year. It was a blast. We were in and out of there, and uh, I, I actually wish that I could have gotten time time to do a do a bigger meet and greet because the audience was actually really really cool. That's what I liked about it. You the 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 audience plays such a big part in an improvisational show that the audience kind of has a personality of their own, and you remember the personality of an audience from city to city, and so that's why I'm definitely making the. Uh, the uh, trek to come out to uh, get to your neck of the woods because it was great. Yeah. Well, talk about your stand-up back, though, Wayne. What what can the audience expect? Is there improv involved, or is just is it, what is it like? 
Well, obviously, you haven't seen the show. No, no, I haven't. I, I work nights. I can't. I, I work nights, so it's tough for me to get out. <laughs> so, so I'm inviting you out. I'm inviting you out if you ever get a chance. It's an improv show. It's an, it, it's, it's an improv show. It's musical improv. It's fast-paced improv. Very physical, very funny. It's myself and my partner, Jonathan Mangan, and my buddy, Kat Gray, from Let's Make a Deal. And, and Kat plays the music. We get all the suggestions are based from the audience. We use the audience on the stage. We get suggestions from the audience. We get song titles from the audience. We get questions from the audience, and all that is used as the uh, as the fuel to to power the comedy machine. Well, let me ask you this question. I was going to ask this later, but I'll ask it right now since you mentioned the music. Uh, one thing I am so impressed with you uh, when you uh, are on whose line is it anyway? That the the times you do the musical acts and you have you imitate all these singers. Where does that come from? Do you study what they do? You study what they listen? You watch videos of, of the performers? Well, I mean, I don't sit down on purpose to watch people. I'm just a fan. And the thing is, Who's Line is a, for me, even though it was the thing that, that brought me success in that medium and people to know my name, I, I, was, I was already working for 10 years before Who's Line. I'm, I, I'm a musician. I So... Just as a fan of music, just as a musician, just as a singer, as a performer, there are people that I love, and I'm a songwriter. So I, when I improvise, I'm writing songs on on spot. So it's not that I so much study people on purpose. I just study them because I love music. Who are your influences, maybe both comic wise and music wise? Well, I'm not a comedian in mm-hmm. the standard sense. I don't think that anyone who strictly does improv or sketch, you're either a sketch comedian or an improv or comedian. So it's not like I follow stand-ups. But I think the people that I looked at when I was younger that I went, oh, I love how they can make people laugh while doing everything else. Those old schools are like watching reruns of, uh, of Carol Burnett as a kid to so watching the show of shows on PBS with Ernie Kovacs. Mm-hmm. Um, to watching Monty Python, to watching British sketch shows, to uh, Robin Williams, uh, watching his character work, Whoopi Goldberg, John Leguizamo, people, uh, early Jim Carrey, people that are fast on their feet, but that are well-rounded. Well, Wayne, you're in your 11th season as host of the iconic game show, Let's Make a Deal. I mean, how much fun is doing that show? Uh, Were you nervous about hosting a show that had been associated with the legendary Monty Hall? I mean, who he passed away uh, two years ago. And what advice did Monty give you when you first started? No, I wasn't nervous because it's it's iconic, but the talent set wasn't outside of my set. It wasn't like I was doing something. You were holding a microphone and talking. So I wasn't nervous. I was respectful because Monty reached out to me directly to ask me to do it. And, and um I grew up watching Let's Make a Deal, and at first I said no to the show because when I looked at a game show, I said, well, that doesn't let me do what I do. Why would I just want to stand and talk with, with a microphone? And the piece of advice that Monty Hall gave me that, that I think not just myself, but the production company and CBS, we all took to heart was he said, Wayne, I don't want you to be me. I want you to do what you do. That's why we're trying to reboot the show. And with Monty's blessing, um, Let's Make a Deal has turned from a game show into a game show, sketch comedy, improv comedy, who knows what the hell is going to happen type. And I think that's a secret to its success. People people tune in. There's something for everyone. If you like the games, we have the games. We have the choose the box. You can play you play along at home. If you like a little, little bit of uh, improv comedy, we have that. We have sketches. 
we do this whole thing. We have interviews with the audience, and I do my best to make the audience the star of the show too. That it's all about the audience as as well. So God bless God bless Mr. Monty and the fact that he had enough vision to say, "I want my baby to live on," and I'm blessed enough that he put it in my hands. Yeah, I mean, I just I was yeah, you put it perfect because I was I watched that and I you see it's it's basically the improv your improvisational skills really help that uh, make the show. Well, because it's not the improv skills per se; it's <laughs> it's it's me. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that makes makes up me. Like we each have something that is unique to you. There are reasons why people will tune in and listen to your podcast. So there are fans that like you. There are tons of podcasts. There are tons of people that do podcasts. But there are people that like you because you make them feel good. So I think that because of the certain gifts that I have, like the improvisation, like like singing, like dancing, the character work, all of that stuff. And on top of the fact that there are some people that just like tuning in because I make them feel feel good. So I think that is the strongest superpower more so than anything else. When I talked to Colin last week about the, whose line it is anyway, well, the one show that always seems to come up, and I still crack up when I see it was the night Richard Simmons was on. I mean, just what was that night like? And just it seemed like it was just constant mayhem, and it just worked perfectly because you know Richard Simmons is out there, and it just like it, everybody just seemed to have a great time. Well, I think I think you just said it. Everybody had a good time. It's so funny to me that that people love that particular episode because there were hundreds of great episodes and ones that were done past. Richard came in and he was a beautifully uh, happy tornado that that came in. And and we had a great time with him. Um, he, he truly was game. I think what, what Richard did um, was something that we want every guest to to do is just be game. He said, "Let's go," and we had to catch up and play and play with him, and that and that was beautiful. Finally, Wayne, uh, you were recently on the CBS soap opera "The Bold and the Beautiful," playing Doctor Reese Buckingham. Uh, your daughter was on the show as a cast member. I mean, how much fun was that? And how much was it uh, different to play a dramatic role instead of a an improv role? Well, I've done lots of dramatic roles. It isn't like Who's Line is the only thing that I've ever done on TV. Mm-hmm. I've done tons of sitcoms. I've done tons of Broadway. Because I'm an actor. Yeah. So, like, I, I think a lot of people like one thing and that's what you see. So, it wasn't a a departure for, for me. It, it was something that I did because it was fun. And my daughter was on the show, so I wanted to do it. And my grandmother loved that show while I was growing up. So, I did it for, for the family. Because if I did... Who gets a chance to take take uh, take your daughter to work day to that extreme, and <laughs> yeah. also get to make to make your grandma happy? So, and then I received a, a um, an Emmy nomination for for that 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 role. So that was pretty cool. You know, it's 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 I love being diverse because people think they know what you do, and sometimes they they don't. So you have to educate people. Is there a temptation, you know, with a scripted show to maybe try a little improv? No. 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 Why? <laughs> Why would I do that? I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would I do improv if someone has written a great script? Right. That's perfect answer. I appreciate that. Well, doors for uh, Wayne show open Saturday at 7 o'clock, and the show starts at 8. Tickets start at $50 and can be purchased online at riverscasinoandresort.com. 
dot uh, slash tickets or proctors.org or at the Proctors Theater box office. If I didn't have to work Saturday night, Wayne, I'd be there. Or maybe you can come over to oh, Daily Gazette. I was going to give you a set of well, if you can come over to Delhi Gazette office, we're just a couple minutes away from uh, the Rivers Casino. If you want to give me a t- uh, preview of your show then at the office, uh, I get there about 2.30 <laughs> in the afternoon. <laughs> um, I don't know about that, but, but if you're free the next time I roll through town, I've got you. I appreciate it, Wayne. Thanks so much for coming on the Party Shots podcast. It's an honor and a privilege, and it's great to talk to you. And like I said, you do wonderful stuff, and it's, uh, I, I, I'll keep watching the show and keep watching Let's Make a Deal. Thanks, brother. Just trying to make folks happy. All right. That's Wayne Brady. We'll be back more of the Parting Shots podcast in just a moment. Hi, this is Hunter Moffitt, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletics. Notable Trophy Case team members include Dan Nolan, President and CEO of Hugh Johnson Advisors, owner of the Albany Empire, who says, Trophy Case is an innovative platform that has great potential for athletes. Nolan said, The feedback and experience brings value to athletes, parents, and sports affiliates in one network. I simply think of this as a combination of Instagram and LinkedIn for athletes. You can download the Trophy Case app at the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes, by athletes. Get it today. Hi, this is Harborside Hal Wafer. I'm the manager of the River Sportsbook at Rivers Casino and Resort. Now, it's always a winning bet to listen to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast, and Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly's here for his five football games to watch in Week Seven as we get set for most teams. It's the end of the regular season; get try to gear for the playoffs. Yes, yeah, so we got Class A, Class B, and Class C playoffs that start in Week Eight, um, and Class AA and Class uh, D um, start up in Week Nine for playoffs. But yeah, so this is a big week for a, a lot of teams, including those teams that that don't start their playoffs uh, for a couple weeks still. Well, your article in the Thursday's Gazette, which is also online at dailygazette.com, the, the big game looks like Fonda and Stillwater in Class C. Yeah, it's one. Of, we have a couple games this week that are, you know, still with some uh, division titles on the line, and this is the one that's, you know, a matchup of, of two undefeated teams in the Class C Central Division, um, teams that have, you know, done it pretty differently to this point, where Stillwater has really steamrolled everybody this year. Everybody knew Stillwater was going to be really good. And Fonda's the surprising one that, you know, hasn't made the playoffs in a few years. He's played a bunch of close games, um, you know, had a couple games this year where, you know, they needed some crazy plays to pull out the wins. 
Um, so it should be an exciting one. And, uh, you know, one of those games that we learn a lot right before the playoffs start by, uh, by how it goes. Yeah, father coach uh, Sean Thompson, his first year at the helm, uh, he, he's been surprised by the fact he thought this would be a rebuilding year. Yeah, you know, he used to be an assistant in the program, now back as the head coach. Um, you know, he, you know, he was pretty candid about that. You know, he thought this was going to be, you know, multiple years to get this thing back right. The program hasn't been in the playoffs the last few years. Um, you know, and they just, they got some really nice early season wins, um, you know, close games and they built momentum and they've just, you know, kept it rolling from there. Who's your pick? I'm going to take Stillwater. Stillwater just they haven't really played any close games this year because they've been so dominant. Um, it will be really interesting if it is close late because they haven't been in that situation where Fonda has been in that situation like every week. Um, but I, I think Stillwater does what they do extremely well. I think in the seas, um, you know, uh, they, they are the best version of themselves the most often. Um, so I, I would take them, but I, I won't be shocked if it goes the other way. Let's move over to Class A. It's the Battle of the Spartans, Burnt Hills and Queensbury on Saturday up at Queensbury. Uh, yeah, Queensbury win. They win the Class A Grasso Division. If uh, Burnt Hills wins, we have possible chaos. Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> if you like order, you're rooting for Queensbury. Um, this is, I mean, it's it's a big game every year, and I mean, I think this is one of those you know kind of cliche ones where you know forget the records, forget what the teams have done. It's Burnt Hills and it's Queensbury. Um, it's probably going to be a great game. Um, there's a lot on the line because of how those teams in that division could shift around um, when you include Boston Spa. Um, if Burn Hills wins, it's a three-way tie with those teams, and it comes down to you know quarter points or some type of system to try to sort it out, uh, which I, uh, I am not going to try to do before I have to. Um, I do think it's a game that Queensbury wins. It's on their home field. Um, I think Queensbury has been, uh, you know, it's very strong weeks one through six. Burn Hills has had, you know, a couple hiccups now. Um, they got shut out last week against Bethlehem. Um, it, you know, again, I, I say this a lot. I won't be shocked either way, but I, I would expect Queensbury to, to get the win on the home field. And Amsterdam and LaSalle face off another Class A game in the Capital Division looking to battle. The winner gets the number three seed in this one. Yeah, it's the difference between getting the three and the four. Um, which, you know, it, it, it's important, but you almost wonder how much it means because the other division with Burn Hills, Boston Spa, and Queensbury, we don't know how those teams are sorting out. So we don't even know what getting the three seed really means <laughs> from the capital division. Um, I think for both these teams, though, it's just a really important game to get some momentum going into the playoffs, especially for Amsterdam, who had the tough loss last week against Sable Park. So you're picking... Oh, man. Um, whew, it's at LaSalle. I'm going to take Amsterdam. Um, and if you ask me in five minutes, I might take LaSalle. But at this very moment, I'm taking Amsterdam. I'm not editing this to make your change. No, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're taking Amsterdam. Okay. Uh, Scotia Glenville at Gloversville. And, uh, Scotia Glenville, um, the winner of this gets matched the fourth, number four spot in the uh, Capital Division. Yeah, and this is, uh, uh, I think this is from the the uh, the, the, the Grasso division. Because um, they, okay. they'll be slotted behind, uh, I might have, might have written it wrong there, but they're uh, they're behind in that Boston Spa, Burn Hills, uh, Queensbury division. Um, and this is one that kind of came out of nowhere because Gloversville hadn't won a game until last week. But now <laughs> Gloversville, <laughs> they win their home game, they are in the playoffs. Um, crazy. 
Yeah, so this should be two teams that, I mean, you know, kind of out of nowhere have a lot to play for in this week. Um, you know, and it's two programs that, you know, haven't had the most success in recent years. Um, so it should be, you know, a fun one for those two teams to, to compete to try to get that fourth playoff spot. And who gets it? I'm going to go with Scotia. Um, it would be really fun, though, if it ends up being Gloversville, <laughs> just with, you know, if they get these last two wins to get in. Uh, I think Scotia, though, has been – they had the tough loss last week playing at Boston Spa. Um, but before that, they'd been playing really well for a couple weeks. And to wrap the, up the uh, top five games this week, uh, Class B showdown between Holy Trinity and Shamat. This, to me, seems like a big test for Holy Trinity uh, going that to Shamat. Yeah, and this is, uh, you know, it's, if you looked before the year, this is one that you would have circled, Holy Trinity at Shamat. Shamat then, though, lost in week one to Cobleskill. And, you know, you kind of then start thinking Holy Trinity, Cobleskill. Um, since that week one loss, though, Shamat hasn't lost a league game. So they get a chance to claim a share of the league title with a win. Um, I think Holy Trinity, though, has been just fantastic all year. Their offense is, you know, it's super explosive every week. It's, you know, so many different scoring four touchdowns. Uh, I'll take Holy Trinity in the game, um, and I expect them to win fairly decisively. Okay. Uh, take a look at the power rankings that appeared in uh, Tuesday's paper. You can see them online at dailygazette.com. Uh, Class AA, uh, no changes. You know, still Shager, Shen, Yodelin, Bethlehem, and CBA. Yeah, and really the only way that that could change is if CBA upsets uh, Shaker this week. Um, they also play Gillen um, coming up in week eight. Um, besides that, though, I think those, I think that five is what it's going to be going into the playoffs uh, in terms of a ranking. Only four of them will make the playoffs. Um, and it, it, that's kind of solidified itself over the last few weeks. Uh, Class A uh, flip-flopped uh, Balsam Spot and Troy. Balsam Spot goes from three to two. Troy – Two to three. Yeah, you know, that's just one of those ones, you know, you could have kept Troy at two and kept Boston Spa where they were. But just as you started to look at, you know, another week of games and start to look at who did what against different opponents, um, I thought Boston Spa's resume became a little bit stronger. Um, that's another one, though, you know, maybe at the end of this week, maybe we flip it back, you know, just depending on, you know, how some different games go. Neither one of them really – uh, jumped up or moved down based on what they did. It's what teams they played uh, in the past did. Uh, Class B, the only change uh, between Shamont and Cobleskill Richmondville. Shamont goes from five to four, and Cobleskill four to five. Right. Yeah. So, so Shamont just. I mean, I think ever since that week one loss to Cobleskill, so I did jump them above Cobleskill, um, who beat them in week one. But I think Shamont has been trending. Uh, in the right direction. Not that Cobleskill is in the wrong direction, but I guess Shaman is maybe stronger in the right direction. Um, so we flipped them for for this week. Um, both those teams are, you know, probably looking at being a, a two three seed um, in, in the upcoming playoffs, and, and and probably having a really tough matchup in the first round. Uh, but right now, I like Shaman a little bit better. And Glens Falls still at one, Holy Trinity two, and Skylarville three. Uh, Class C and uh, no changes here. Stillwater. Uh, Cambridge, Salem, Fonda, Greenwich, and Waterville. Yeah, and and this one, you know, is, you know, yeah. So I mean, those five stay the same. It's going to be really interesting to see though. After this week, the C's have three divisions. It's the only classification where that's the case in Section Two. So we don't really don't know at this point how the playoff seeds are going to look like. There's a complicated system to figure it out. 
Um, so we think those are, you know, we think those are the top five teams. We really don't know about how the seeds are going to shake out. And that Stillwater Fonda game um, actually means all that. It means a ton to both those teams because the winner is probably the one seed. That's definitely true for Stillwater. The loser, though, you know, it's they might drop all the way to like five. Um, and wouldn't it be a shock if they somehow ended up at six. Um, so that's a huge game just as you start looking ahead with, you know, forget the power rankings, the seedings are what matters when we get to the playoffs. Um, and the loser of that game might really fall. Yeah. And Class D, no changes there. Warrensburg, Chatham, they had Warrensburg and Chatham, an 8-7 game, Warrensburg winning. Uh, so they still won two. Whitehall still at three. Corinth, Fort Edward at four. And Helderberg Valley at five. Yeah, uh, I mean, War- you, I mean, you just had the really close game last week with Warrensburg and Chatham. Um, you know, it feels like those two teams are going to be there in Week Ten to play each other. We felt that way before Week One. Um, you know, and they, you know, eight seven, I, and that game was at Warrensburg. So, um, you know, I don't think Chatham comes away from that. You know, super demoralized after losing by a point on the road. So it should be a fun one uh, when those two teams likely meet in a couple weeks. Well, thanks once again for your insight on the high school football season. Uh, we'll do this again next week, and next week we'll talk some playoffs. All right, great. Thanks, All right. That's Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly. Back to wrap up the, the uh, Daily Gazette uh, Party Shots podcast here on uh, dailygazette.com and, of course, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Hi, this is Daily Gazette News columnist Sarah Foss. Once again, I'll be going head-to-head with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott with my weekly NFL picks and defending my championship. Go to dailygazette.com slash blogs and look for my picks on my Thinking It Through blog. You can find Ken's picks at dailygazette.com slash sports. to wrap up the podcast. As Sarah said, look for her NFL picks along with mine at dailygazette.com. My lead over Sarah is down to four games after she went 10-4 in week six while I was 9-5. Overall, I'm 57-34-1. Sarah is 53-38-1. Also, look for my blogs on NFL and college football TV coverage this week. You can find it at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. If you're a college hockey fan, Look for my weekly ECAC Hockey Faceoff selections at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. You can participate in the faceoff selections by emailing your picks to me at shots, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Union Hockey beat writer Mike McGannon joins me on the next Parting Shots podcast. That will be posted Friday. We'll look back at the Dutchman's pair of 2-1 losses in Northeastern last weekend and look ahead to this weekend's two-game series at fourth-ranked UMass. If you have questions about Union Hockey, Mike and I will answer them. Send your questions to shot at dailygazette.com. I want to clarify where you can get tickets to see Wayne Brady's show on Saturday. Tickets start at $50 and can be purchased online at riverscasinoandresort.com, tickets.proctors.org, or at the Proctors Theater box office. That wraps up another edition of the Party Shots podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, CBS Sports' Andrew Catalan. New York Jets and ESPN College football announcer Bob Wischusen. 
the Albany Empire's Malachi Jones, Let's Make a Deal host Wayne Brady, and Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly. The Party Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today. Available for iOS and Android users in your app store. The Party Shots Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shots at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Party Shots Podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette Newspapers. The Party Shots Podcast is a production of Gazette Newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Good day, good sports.